हेलो ऑल वेलकम टू लीगल टॉक्स बाय देसी कानून आई एम सुयश एंड आई एम एक्साइटेड टू हैव स्टार्टेड दिस शो फर्स्ट ऑफ ऑल अ वेरी हैप्पी न्यू ईयर टू ऑल ऑफ यू नाउ लेट अस मूव ऑन एंड टॉक अबाउट द टॉपिक दैट वी इंटेंड टू डिस्कस टुडे टुडे वी विल डिस्कस अ रीसेंट जुडिशियल प्रोनाउंसमेंट बाय द ऑनरेबल सुप्रीम कोर्ट ऑफ इंडिया एस वनीता वर्सेस डेप्यूटी कमिश्नर Bengaluru urban district and others now this case law talks about the maintenance and welfare of parents and senior citizens act 2007 and tries to interpret the same in light of the domestic violence act 2005 so in order to further further understand this let us move on to the facts of the case In the present case an application was filed by the parents of a person that is senior citizens who sought to evict the estranged wife and children of their son from a residential house belonging to them the house belonged to the mother of the husband such application was allowed by all the courts below and thereafter the matter reached the supreme court of india it was filed before the supreme court at the instance of the wife that is she is the appellant now what are the chief contentions of the appellant the wife said that she is residing in her matrimonial home which is a shared household as a lawfully wedded spouse of the son of the parents who moved the application under the citizen senior citizens law and she cannot be evicted in view of the protection offered by section 17 of the protection of women from domestic violence act 2005 so her basic contention is that the matrimonial home is a shared household and she was residing there as a lawfully wedded spouse and section 17 specifically provides for the right to reside in a shared household to a woman her next contention was that she has no other place to live except the suit premises and she again relied upon section 17 of the domestic violence act and said that the senior citizens law cannot be invoked to evict her now what are the chief contentions of the parents according to the parents they are senior citizens and they are entitled to move the senior citizens law and the suit premises was constructed by their ancestors and even the ownership of the suit premises lies with them they further contended that there are concurrent findings by all the courts below who have directed for eviction of the appellant that is the wife and restoration of their possession now let us look at the observations in the reasoning by the court the court divided its observations and reasoning into four parts in the first part it discussed the brief legislative scheme of the senior citizens law in the next part it took recourse to some of the interpretative tools and this interpretative tool was means and includes approach which has been propounded by our supreme court in its earlier judgments we will discuss the same next the court discussed the domestic violence law and the women's right of residence and lastly after doing all this the court attempted to harmonize the senior citizens law and the domestic violence law so let us first start with the brief legislative scheme of the senior citizens law as you can see the senior citizens law has a very comprehensive scheme first it defines maintenance 
which includes provisions for food, clothing, residence and medical attendance and treatment. It also defines property and property means property of any kind, movable, immovable and includes rights or interests in such property. Section 3 of this law is very important for this case. It says that senior citizens law shall have an overriding effect over the other enactments, over the other laws. So the provisions of the senior citizens law will prevail over all the other laws. This is the purport of section 3 of the senior citizens act. Now section 4 recognizes an entitlement of maintenance to inherent parents and senior citizens. Section 5 lays down the procedure by which an application for maintenance can be made. Section 6 elucidates provisions governing jurisdiction and procedure. Section 7 contains stipulation for constitution of a maintenance tribunal. Section 8 envisages a summary procedure for making an inquiry. Section 9 provides for monthly allowance which could be fixed by the tribunal for maintenance of the senior citizens. Section 10 provides for alteration in this monthly allowance if there is a change in circumstance and section 11 provides for the enforcement of an order of maintenance. The last section that we intend to look into is section 23. Now the section uh, 23 provides that if a senior citizen gifts any property to any person subject to the condition that such person shall take care of the basic needs of the senior citizen and when such person does not take care of such basic needs then the said transfer of property by way of gift or any other way shall be deemed to have been made by fraud or coercion or undue influence and can be declared void by the court. Section 23 further provides that where a senior citizen has a right to receive maintenance out of a property if the transferee has notice of the right and the transfer of such property is without consideration. So this is very important. The senior citizen has a right to receive maintenance only when two contingencies are fulfilled or when two conditions are fulfilled that is the transfer by way of gift or any other mode is without consideration and the transferee has notice of the right. Now let us discuss the means and includes approach and its impact on this case. Justice G.P. Singh in its book, in his book, Principles of Statutory Interpretation observed that the legislature has the power to define a word even artificially. So the definition of a word in the definitions section may either be restrictive of its ordinary meaning or it may be extensive of the same. When a word is defined to mean such and such, the definition is prima facie restrictive and exhaustive. Whereas the word defined is declared to include such and such, the definition is prima facie extensive. Now this means and includes approach has been discussed in plethora of cases earlier and in Jagir Singh versus State of Bihar, it was said that a definition may be in the form of means and includes where again the definition is exhaustive. So even if a definition is in the form of means and includes, it could be both exhaustive as well as extensive. We'll understand its implication later. In order to understand this, we need to look into section 2S of the domestic violence law which defines shared household. Shared household means a household where the person aggrieved lives or at any stage has lived in a domestic relationship 
either singly or along with the respondent and includes such a household whether owned or tenanted either jointly by the aggrieved person and the respondent or owned or tenanted by either of them in respect of which the aggrieved person or the respondent or both or singly have any right title interest or equity and includes such a household which may belong to the joint family of which the respondent is a member irrespective of whether the respondent or the aggrieved person has any right title or interest in the shared household so what does this mean this means that even if a household is not owned by the husband and even if a woman is residing with the joint family then also such a household would fall within the ambit of shared household under section 2s what is its implication the court said that by adopting means and includes approach the definition of shared household cannot be read to mean only that household which belongs to the husband or of which the husband is a member and can even include the household belonging to any relative of the husband with whom in a domestic relationship the woman has lived now by using all these interpretative tools the court harmonized the senior citizens law and the domestic violence law section 36 of the domestic violence law provides that the provisions of this law shall be in addition to and not in derogation of the provisions of any other law for the time being in force so as we can see that section 36 is not a non obstantive clause it merely provides that the provisions of this law shall be in addition to and not in derogation of the other laws thus it is an additional remedy that is available to women and does not displace or override other laws but on the other hand the senior citizens law is unequivocal in its approach section 3 clearly provides that the senior citizens law shall have an overriding effect over all the other laws now the court also observed that both the senior citizens act and the domestic violence law are welfare legislations they are meant to cater the needs of specific sections of society that is the senior citizens law is meant to cater the needs of parents and the elderly people and the domestic violence law is meant to cater the need of women who face domestic violence and there is a need to harmoniously construe these laws so the court further observed that a shared household would have to be interpreted to include the residence where the woman had been jointly residing with her husband as we had discussed earlier merely because the ownership of the property does not waste with the husband or if the wife is living separately it cannot be a ground to deprive the wife of the protection that was envisaged under the domestic violence law finally it was held by the court that whether the suit premises constitutes a shared household within the meaning of domestic violence law or not has to be determined by the appropriate forum supreme court cannot be an appropriate forum in this regard and the courts below can look into this question however just because the supreme court is not saying that whether it is a shared household or not at this stage it cannot be said that the wife has to be evicted in exercise of the summary powers entrusted by the senior citizens law and in order to balance the rights of the parents liberty was given to them to move a subsequent application under section 10 for change in circumstances 
under the senior citizen's law and the court concluded by holding that the wife shall not be forcibly dispossessed from the suit premises for a period of one year in order to enable her to pursue her remedies in accordance with law. Now, what is my opinion on this case? I do not fully understand or agree with the reasoning of this judgment. The court made a substantial effort to balance the rights of the wife and the senior citizens or the in-laws and left the question open for the appropriate forums to decide. However, the court itself acknowledged that section 36 is not a non-obstante clause and does not purport to have an overriding effect. And despite the same, the court tried to equate it with section 3 of the Senior Citizens Act. I think it is a settled principle of law that principles of harmonious construction or looking into the purpose of the legislation become relevant only when there is ambiguity in the text of the legislations or when the same is leading to any manifest absurdity. Here, section 36 is crystal clear. It clearly says that it is in addition to the other laws and section 3 of the senior citizens law is also very clear as it says that they, it, uh, the senior citizens law shall have an overriding effect and it is also important to note that senior citizens law is an enactment of year 2007 whereas domestic violence law is a law of the year 2005 therefore senior citizens law is a subsequent legislation and if we say that section 3 which states that senior citizens law will have an overriding effect is not given effect to then the entire purpose of enacting section 3 would be defeated what there is only one thing that section 3 intends to seek that is the overriding effect of the senior citizens law however the court thinks that the rights of the women have also are also to be balanced and merely because section 36 does not have an overriding effect it cannot mean that the wife could be evicted from her shared household this is a very interesting interpretation given by the supreme court now whether there exists some manifest absurdity in the reading and construction of these provisions is something that requires further scrutiny in my humble opinion i hope that in the times to come when more judgments on this aspect are given by the Honorable Supreme Court, then better clarity would emerge. So with this, I conclude. I hope you enjoyed listening to my show. Thank you for watching. Please subscribe and follow us on YouTube, Instagram, iTunes, Twitter, LinkedIn, Discord, Telegram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to ask them in the comments section. Thank you again for watching. Have a nice day. Stay tuned.